Welcome to Gulf Life Now, where you can learn about all things real estate and life on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Your host is Bill Anderson, who includes his considerable knowledge and personal experiences about relocating to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Whether you're buying, selling, or just interested in living on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, this podcast is for you. Thank you for returning to Gulf Life Now. The topic today is going to be the root cause of inflation. Now, why am I doing this? I am a real estate broker, and I have been around uh, a bit. I've owned my own company. I have a lot of experience, but I'm not an analyst. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a government functionary. So what do I know about the root cause of inflation? Well, uh, I know a little bit because I've done some research, and I've also experienced it. I am a consumer in this country, as you are, and I am concerned about why my purchasing power is continuing to dwindle. Now, I just recently did an, a podcast on the Treasury notes, Treasury uh, bills, if you will, and how they affect the purchasing of homes, how they affect the mortgage rates. And this has a direct correlation to the housing industry. People ask me all the time, well, you know, should I buy now or should I wait when interest rates come down? And I discussed that at some length in the podcast. This time I want to get to some facts. I want you to understand what the problem is here because I'm pretty shocked by it. And most of us can actually get pretty numb and ignore it all the time until it has become right to the top of discussions around the country about what the heck is going on. We see all this mess in the cities, in the federal government, all the spending, spending, spending. Well, what is it doing to us? So let me start with something pretty simple here. And we're talking about a little bit of inflation, just a little bit, you know, that's tongue in cheek, of course. Uh, So five years ago, you know, in 2018, if you had earned $75,000 in 2018, today, that $75,000 has a purchasing power of $63,250. That means in five years, you have lost $11,750 in actual purchasing power. What that means is inflation has just eaten away at that income that you had. Now, you might be lucky. Maybe you earned some extra income somewhere else on the side. Maybe you had a raise at work, something that would give you a little bit more money. Nevertheless, you have to think about this. That's $11,750 per year for the last five years that has eroded away your purchasing power. So you're basically not making the $75,000, you're making the $63,250. Let me bring it home a little bit more. Remember when the government was passing out free money like it was candy, and the total amount that an individual received during the whole COVID mess was $3,200. Three thousand two hundred dollars. Do you think they took that back? Of course they did. They took it back, and a lot more than that. That money that they gave to all of us 
helped to erode our purchasing power. It did such damage because, remember, the government had to borrow that money. It doesn't have that money. It didn't have that money at the time. And it's been paying interest on that money that it borrowed to give to us that most Americans did not need. Most Americans were paid during COVID. The teachers, for example, they received their payments. A lot of companies paid their employees to stay home. Most people, including retired people, didn't have any reduction in income. Their Social Security payments kept on going, and yet the government passed this money out to placate all of us to keep us from panicking over COVID, okay? I'm not going to discuss whether that was a good thing or not, but what I will say is that it has added a significant amount to the national debt, and since we don't have the money to pay the debt, we are borrowing to pay the debt. And now we're paying interest on the borrowing. You see, it's it's a, uh, a spiral situation here. Now, so what does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? Okay. It means that you have less money to spend. And even with that less money, you're going to pay higher interest rates on credit cards, on all of your borrowing, including for those of you that are looking to buy a home. Now, interest rates have gone up substantially over the last few years. They were artificially low, okay, but they were above what they should have been, and they should not have gone up as fast as they did. Let me tell you what happens with interest rates. The government needs to borrow money. There's only so much money that's out there, and yes, in fact, they do print, not necessarily paper money, but they create money electronically, uh, however, most of the time, it is just that they're trying to borrow what's available. Well, if they're out competing with us and they're willing to pay more money to borrow than businesses can pay, then businesses can't borrow that money, and they may need that money for expansion where they're going to hire some people and now they can't do it. Or they may need the money for working capital, which means they may need to lay off some people. That's what happens in the economy. It starves the economy of cash because the government is taking all of it to pay the public debt. Now, most of our public debt is actually, or at least a large part of it, is owned by foreign countries. Fortunately, it's not just China. There are other friendly countries that own some of our debt. But the fact is that we have to pay them that interest, and that interest comes at your cost. Like I said, companies can't borrow, there's layoffs, there's less money available, but the thing that hits you the most is the higher interest rates that you're going to pay for everything. How about buying a car? You could go in and buy a car for 3 or 4% interest before. Now, you might get some special thing going on now, but that's not the typical interest rate that people are going to pay, especially young people that are starting out right now. So our debt has grown 50% in the last five years. Essentially, folks, understand that those elected officials that we trust with the purse, the public purse, they don't seem to care. They are spending and spending and spending, and it has taken forever for them to get to this point. We can go back you know, decades and decades and decades where there was at least a modicum of fiscal responsibility because it was built into the system, you know, people would get elected and they would understand that they just couldn't spend, spend, spend. Now that seems to be out the window. It seems to be gone. And let me just bring up some things that we've seen in the news about this. Free college, okay? 
The president wants to let all those students who borrowed money just let, let it go. Just forgive all that debt. Who's going to pay for that debt? That money has to be borrowed. It's already borrowed by the individuals, but then the debt transfers over to the public. That's you and that's me. Then the government says, we don't have this money. They have to go out and borrow that money in order to pay off whoever that money is owed by. Sometimes it's private debt. Sometimes it's public debt. Well, if the public debt goes away, who's going to pay it? You are and I will. So that whole idea that this is free or too bad for these people that can't pay their college debt, this is terrible, terrible. And it's in the billions of dollars. And yet they are just bound and determined to give all this money away to these individuals without ever fixing a problem that's not going to stop. If, if these individuals got into debt now, how about 10 years from now when we have new people that are getting into debt? Are we going to continue to forgive that? How can we do it? The cupboard's bare. There's no money to pay for this. Now, I don't care what side you're on, whether you think, oh, it's the right thing to do or not. I'm not talking about any of this spending being the right thing. I'm simply saying this is what's happening. This is what's happening and it doesn't seem to be under control by any entity or any group. The other thing that we need to be concerned about is uh, all, all the money we're spending, for example, for Ukraine and for other countries. You may think this is a great thing. The point is, we don't have that money to spend. We don't have a piggy bank. Our piggy bank has it's been broken. They got the last penny out, and then they dropped it, and there's nothing else in there. So every penny that we give to anybody outside of this country is borrowed money. We are borrowing it. And as far as I know, we're not asking any of these places to pay it back. I don't care whether you like Israel or you like any of the other countries the money goes to. That's not even the point. The point is, can we afford to do this? What are we doing to the American public? What are we doing to the middle class? How are these people going to save for retirement? Or, or, or are we going to support all of those individuals too? And then who's going to pay that bill? The next generation or the generation down the road? How about all of the illegals that are coming into the United States? Oh, everybody says they get a job. Well, you, we all know what's going on. The government's paying to fly them back and forth. The government's giving them telephones. They're giving them free medical care. They're giving them free places to live. And this is not just a trickle. This is millions and millions of people who is paying that bill, you and I. We can't afford it. We need to do something about stopping that hemorrhage along with all the other things that are going on in this country with the uh, just ability of the government to spend whatever that whatever is the whim of the day whatever they want to make other people feel happy about the problem with a lot of younger folks is that since they don't work they're the ones out demonstrating for example they don't understand what it costs what the cost is what the future cost is going to be for a lot of those people i'm concerned with that have done nothing for retirement and are going to have a problem doing something for retirement when these costs just keep going up this inflation just is a vice grip on the american economy and on individuals we've got to bring this down to you and i 
you and I and our families, individuals, this isn't just some largesse out there that we're just throwing this money out and it's somebody else's money. It's not. It's your money. It's my money. Even if you're retired and you're not paying income tax, you are paying for it everywhere else. It's not just the income tax. Now let me, I was just talking about the federal government. Now let's get into the state budgets. Do you know that almost every single state has debt? Some states have tremendous amounts of debt. What they do is they decide that they need to spend for all kinds of things, putting up a new stadium, for example, uh, doing all kinds of public welfare uh, expenditures, uh, building a bridge. It doesn't make any difference what it is, but they borrow the money to do it, and they keep adding to the debt and adding to the debt. What happens with the state budgets is the states can't create money. So the state budgets are required, all of them in this country, to be balanced at the end of the year. So when they spend more than they take in, they have to borrow that money. And then they have to pay interest on it. So next year's budget will include a higher payment for interest. Well, over the years, the interest portion of the state's budget gets bigger and bigger, and now they can't use that money for those valuable things that they should be using it for instead of just paying interest on it. Right now, the states owe $5 trillion in debt. That's less than the federal government, but if you add that together, you know, we live in states. So I have a responsibility, for example, for some debt in my state, or uh, and then I have responsibility for debt in the uh, in, for the United States itself. And let's get down to the cities now. We think that the states are some of them are bad. Some of them have unfunded pension plans. There's one state, a big state that has almost a trillion dollars in unfunded public pension debt. New York City, for example, let's get into the cities now. Owes uh, about three hundred eighty-three billion dollars of debt and it's growing every year with all the migrant issues things problems there with companies moving out reducing the income in new york that debt is only going to grow same situation in los angeles 243 billion dollars in debt chicago 26 billion dollars in debt so let me tell you what it is on a per capita basis so for example if you live in los angeles uh, $25,420 worth of debt for every person in that city. Now, let's go back and recap. So we were talking about the city debt, which is tremendous by itself. And then we have the state debt. And then we have the federal government debt. And the trend with all levels of government is to continue to spend and continue to borrow. Now, I mentioned earlier when the federal government goes out to the market to borrow, it makes money scarce. Well, what happens when the states go out to borrow? They make money scarce, and the cities make money scarce. They all issue bonds. Bonds pay a pretty good rate of return. So, well, that may be good for investors. It's terrible for businesses who want to borrow money and can't get it, can't afford to get it because it raises their interest rate to get it. It's it's uh, a lot of people chasing a finite amount of cash out there, like a, like a um, buying gasoline, for example. When there's a huge demand for gasoline, the prices go up. Uh, we all understand that. 
I'm going to kind of close now after my rant just by uh, explaining that there are some things you can do. You can listen to all of the political rhetoric that's coming out now because we have an election that's coming up and you can vote for people that seem to have their heads screwed on straight, excuse my term here, uh, and have some fiscal responsibility. People that are saying, we can't spend this money. We're not going to spend this money. We're not going to do boondoggles. You know, we've all heard about the uh, $4,000 wrench and the $20,000 toilet. That just continues to go on. How about all of the money right now that the governments are suing each other, spending public money in the billions of dollars, actually, all the time? Uh, That's ridiculous. That's just stupid stuff. Uh, That needs to stop. So when you go to the elections this year, uh, there's something you can do about it. Vote for those people that are trying to at least tell you. They may be lying to you, too, but they're at least saying to you that we want to spend less money. We have to bring fiscal sanity, not just to the federal government, because we see you know, the presidential election coming up. We need to do it with state budgets, and we need to do it at the city level, too. Stop spending. If we don't have the money, we don't spend. You can't just take care of things, and you can't just throw money out at people and groups if there's no money to spend. We need some sanity here, and that means that you need to send emails, you need to contact, you need to get active. I'm not talking about demonstrating in the streets. That doesn't really do anything. I'm talking about contacting elected officials now and letting them know how you feel about the debt. Look it up on the Internet. Check out your own city. Find out how much debt your city is carrying. And check check to see if it's been increasing over the last few years and find out about what they're going to do about it. You know what happens? Let me talk to you about the cities a little bit because I have some experience. The cities and counties were my clients for many, many, many years uh, in my previous company. And I have learned something about politics, at least at that level. Um, when just a handful of people want something, they'll usually get it. It just makes it easier for the elected officials to say yes as long as they feel they have the backing of a significant amount of people. Now, what I mean by that is if you go to a city council meeting, you bring 20 of your friends with you, you're likely to get what you're, a- what you're asking for. Um, it's all about numbers. And since most people don't vote, um, I think you know we probably look at uh, voting at the local level as being pretty low. They um, assume that you don't care, and they don't have to worry about it. So they just look at the city council meetings, and they say, okay, well, we'll do what these people want to do. Uh, If there's just a few people there, they're still going to do what they want to do. But when you bring a lot of people in, you might have a city with 50,000 people, and if 20 or 30 or 40 people show up for something, that's a lot. It's a huge amount. You can have an impact on this whether it's with schools or with uh, your local government, you can. More difficult to have an impact on the state level, uh, I agree, but you have those state representatives, and many of these politicians love their jobs. As you can probably see, a lot of them have made careers out of them. Uh, That brings me to the last part here about spending. States that have full-time legislatures spend 
a tremendous amount of money keeping all of those people employed. All of the all of the people that do office work, push the paper around, the legislative analysts, uh, and even the salaries that some of the legislature legislators get in those states is tremendous. So the cost to create that government entity is tremendous by itself. You might want to try to do something to relieve that. I happen to live in a state with a part-time legislature, and it's enough. It keeps everything going, and you don't need to have all of these people sitting around looking for new laws to write, new money to spend. Because in politics, for you to be relevant, you need to have some control over spending something. You need to vote for a spending bill, and that's unfortunate. What we need to do is switch that around. That's going to take a long time, a lot of people involved, and start rewarding people who don't vote to pay for this or pay for that. Maybe we can repair something as opposed to completely replace it. Maybe we don't need that brand new city hall. Why don't we just lease a building from a company or something? There are maybe lots of options out there to reduce what we spend. If you are as frustrated as I am about this incessant spending and the impact on your personal life as a result of what these elected officials and bureaucrats are doing to you, then you need to go to the ballot box. But before you go to the ballot box, be sure you support the right people that you believe are fiscally conservative that are running for office. Always keep one thing in mind. We have no money. We're broke. Our checking account is dry. Money that comes in is almost all obligated to Social Security, defense spending, things that we absolutely must have where we're spending the majority of the income that comes in from taxes. So virtually everything else is borrowed money. We have to get this under control. We can't let this go on generation after generation. It's going to collapse. It is a house of cards. And I'm sorry that this is such a negative thing. I usually like to talk about positive things. But you and I, all of us, need to become involved. This is our money. We wouldn't let someone reach their hand into our wallet and take our cash out. So why do we allow these people to spend what we don't have? They're adding to the burden. And then when everything starts falling downhill, which it does, because we're at the bottom of this, for example, we have to pay more for everything. And then we have scarcities out there, all kinds of issues that develop from overspending. And we've seen it all today. So I suggest to you that you need to get more involved as a citizen. Do what you can. Read and learn. Don't pay attention to all this nonsense. We can't just keep paying for everything out there. When someone comes up and says, oh, we should take care of this person or that person, who's going to do it? Well, thank you for listening to me drone away here at a topic that I am very concerned about. Uh, I hope that I'll bring this up again in the future. We might have some good things to talk about here. We have an election coming up, and if things do change during that election for the positive, I'll certainly bring that up because I would rather talk about positive things than negative things. And for those of you that are interested in buying a house 
or selling a house and maybe buying a new one, the good news is that interest rates have been dropping and I have been talking to a number of people in the industry. It seems as if they believe interest rates are going to keep coming down a little bit and probably hover somewhere in the 55 to 6% range. But that's just today. Nobody has a crystal ball. However, it's today's good news, and I needed to close with some good news. So there's probably no good reason for you to wait much. If you want to refinance your house later on and get a lower rate, you can certainly do that. So you're really not stuck if you decide to buy something today and think that it's something you may not be able to afford. But be careful. You know, do your homework, do your math, um, check out your credit situation. And if you believe it's time to move forward with a house, then uh, please do so. If you're coming down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, where I am, it's a great place to live. One of the lowest cost areas in the country. Beautiful homes, some of the lowest price homes in the country. Uh, Come down here and see us and go to our website at LoganAndersonLLC.com. That's L-O-G-A-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N-L-L-C.com. Thank you for coming back. Hope to uh, talk to you again in the next podcast.